Good morning again, uh, everyone. We are going through a series uh, in uh, the book of Ruth. So we started this uh, last week. So like I said, uh, if you have difficulty looking for that book in your Bible, especially kung meron kayong a hard copy Bible, it's, it's really difficult to, to find sometimes uh, the book of Ruth because it's uh, sandwiched in between uh, big uh, historical books of Judges and, and Samuel. And that also sits in the middle of that history of transition between the Judges and the Kings. And uh, this is our second Sunday to, to go through that. Uh, it's unusual to do an Old Testament series in Christmas season, but you will understand why we're doing this uh, as we complete uh, this series uh, until uh, the uh, last Sunday of December. So uh, last week, uh, we talked about, you know, yung, uh, having ownership and, and acknowledgement of uh, our responsibility with our misery and our emptiness, uh, recognizing that we live in a broken world, but ultimately, we see the responsibility of God in our, in our world, in our emptiness. So, uh, and, and that's a good thing, you know, to be comfortable in a time of emptiness, whether you went through a time of emptiness, whether you are going through a season of emptiness now, or the Lord is preparing you for that kind of emptiness, to be comfortable uh, in that season because it's in the hands of God. But, you know, uh, I, I don't, wish for us to to see and 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 say you know because i'm in the season of emptiness i will just remain here i will just wallow in my misery uh, because that's uh, an extreme uh, over correction kumbaga and that's not what god uh, intended for us i am someone who will uh, will teach you and and remind you that uh, that prosperity gospel is 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 not a gospel at all. Uh, when when our approach to Christianity is we we get Jesus because we receive the benefits uh, that He gives, uh, and you know if we have Jesus, all the good things in our life will will happen. You know I will always cor uh, correct and remind you of that that that's not what we teach. That's not what we want. But again, an overcorrection with that is. Uh, what we call a poverty gospel naman. So, uh, yung, uh, because of our uh, allergic reaction kumbaga, sa, sa uh, prosperity gospel, we tend to go towards the other extreme of uh, poverty gospel. When you say that the Lord is pleased with you when you are in, in misery, when you are in, in emptiness, when you are more holy, you are holier when you are uh, when you are in misery, and, and that's also unbiblical to just enjoy, uh, you know, at your time of misery. That's not what we want. Uh, and in fact, parang, uh, we, we, we flaunt our, our misery to others saying that, you know, because uh, I, I'm miserable, I, I, am, I am more closer to God. And, and uh, again, that's not we, what we want. So, but uh, there's another uh, caution that I want before we start, aside from prosperity gospel, uh, poverty gospel, the other extreme, uh, one, uh, uh, another uh, extreme or, or incorrect gospel is the passive gospel. And I will explain that uh, later on. So what we want to, to understand and learn today is how do we move from a season of emptiness uh, 
uh, if you experience a time of misery, how how we move from a time of pandemic, quarantine, COVID, grieving, mourning, loss of job, loss of opportunity to a time of harvest. And that's what we want for 2021. What will, in, uh, what will it take for us to experience that harvest? And that's what we see in this, uh, in this uh, progression of the story in Ruth. Although what was read to us today is uh, verses 1 to 15, what we'll actually look uh, at today is the second half of chapter 1 and the whole of chapter 2. So hindi ko na pinabasa yun kay Alvin because uh, that's quite a long, really long passage. But if you have your Bibles, just turn uh, to that uh, part of the, uh, the book. Uh, and so you will see my, uh, as I refer to those uh, passages. So again, how do we move from a time of uh, emptiness, a time of brokenness, a time of misery, to a season of a fruitful harvest. And, and that's what uh, we see and, and that's what ex, uh, Naomi and Ruth experience uh, in this continuation of the story. Um, let me give you uh, the, the, the framework of the sermon now so you can follow me as we go along. So what do we need? What needs to happen for us to transition from emptiness to harvest? One is that we need to return to the promise of God. Second is that we need to remain with the family of God. And third, we need to rely on the favor of God. Let me repeat. So we need to return to the promise of God. We remain with the family of God. And we rely on the favor of God. Let's look at them one by one. So we need to return to the promise of God. So remember in our story in, in this uh, short book, uh, Naomi and her family, they left the promised land. They left Judah, they left Bethlehem, and they went to become a resident alien in the country of Moab. And I said last week, Moab was meant for them to be a source of their salvation, the source of hope for Naomi and her family, for Elimelech, Kaimalon, and Kelion, because there was a famine in, in, the, uh, in, in Bethlehem. So instead of being a source of hope, livelihood, and salvation, it became a place of bitterness for, for Naomi. That's, that's why she wanted to be called Mara, because her whole family died uh, in Moab. So because... She is alone, and uh, uh, what was left with her were her daughters-in-law. Uh, but she can actually decide, see, see, Naomi, see Naomi, she can actually decide to spend the rest of her life in, in that place uh, because there's nothing else. So, But here's what happened in verse 7 of chapter 1, pa ito, and, and we looked into this uh, last week already. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So there was a decision to return to the land of Judah. But what made Naomi return to the land of Judah? You know, a simple answer would be, well, she had no other choice. She had no other choice. But actually, if you look into it, she actually does have other choices. She can, 
she can stay, like I said, she can stay in Moab and, and keep this in mind, returning in the land of Judah in Bethlehem does not guarantee a better life for her. If you are a widow and if you are advancing in age, uh, being in that time, even in the promised land, uh, does not guarantee a better life. It would be a difficult time for a widow, for an old widow, to, to be in that situation, even if she returns in the promised land. So it does not guarantee, it does not guarantee a better life if she returns. You know, I remember many OFWs who, who travel uh, outside the Philippines. So they, they go to work in another country and they experience, you know, they were scammed by their employers. Uh, yung kanilang pinagtatrabahuhan uh, treated them badly. Um, you know, there's always a choice to look for another job there and there's another choice of going back. But, you know, going back, returning does not guarantee that things will just go back to normal. In fact, for those who spent a lot of years outside the Philippines, going back is a difficult thing because you see that you know your friends, your family have they have moved on with their lives, and it's difficult to restart all over again. So it does not guarantee uh, a better life in returning. And there's no family to return to. There's no family to return to. The the closest uh, family she had all died in. Moab, Elimelech, Malon, and Kilion, they all died. And what she, uh, all the family that she had right now were foreigners, were Moabite women. So, um, you know, if again, if you are an OFW or if you uh, uh, work uh, in another country or lived in another country uh, and you have no family, you have no family to go back to the Philippines, there's no incentive for you to go back, right? There's, there's no in, uh, inspiration, no, no motivation for you to, to go back to the Philippines. So with, with that said, it would be easier for her to live the rest of her life in Moab. But even though it will not be easy, she made a decision. Naomi made this decision to return to the promised land. And two things uh, were crucial uh, in her decision uh, for, to return to the land of Judah. One, one, she recognized the misery of her situation. She understood the bitterness of her situation. And two, aside from just experiencing that bitterness and misery and, and uh, owning up to it, she heard the good news that God visited his people that God visited Bethlehem and Judah and provided food for them. And my friends, that encapsulates the, the two things uh, that we need that motivates us to turn away from the Moabs of our life, to recognize that putting our hope in something other than God will bring us many sorrows, will bring us a lot of miseries. But aside from just acknowledging that, uh, it's important for us to hear the good news that God had visited his people. And that's the point of our, Christian, uh, of our Christmas message, that, that God is with us, that Emmanuel, God is dwelling with us. 
So that's the beauty of returning to uh, the promise of God. And our biblical term for this returning to the promise of God is really repentance. So if you look at the, the, the Hebrew uh, word here used return in the New Testament, uh, the term used is repent. Okay, so they are, uh, they are almost the same thing. And uh, we need to keep in mind repentance is not simply uh, feeling bad because of our bad behavior. It's not simply feeling sorry about, uh, you know, we broke some rules. It's, it's not that. Uh, it's more than that. It's agreeing with God that your current situation leads to misery. No matter how uh, deceptively good it looks like, it will lead to misery. It also entails confessing to the Lord uh, of our helplessness and our need for His grace. And also it, it requires, repentance requires turning. You turn away from uh, our source of misery and you turn towards God because of hearing the good news. You know, last week I asked you uh, to reflect and, and identify the, the Moabs in your life. Dubai, I asked, what are the Moabs in your life? And those are, uh, those are things that we thought uh, will, will make us happy, will make us comfortable, will give us the ultimate joy, but in reality will bring us regret and, and many sorrows. It's one thing to identify them. It's another thing to repent from it. Okay, let me repeat that. It's, it's one thing to just recognize uh, the Moabs in your life. It's another thing. It's an, it's, uh, um, it's an act. Uh, it's a decision to, to repent from the Moabs uh, in our life. And let me share uh, a couple more things about repentance. Uh, even though uh, we know it's good and necessary, uh, let me, uh, let's admit that it's not easy. It's not, repentance is not, does not come easy. Uh, it's not easy because we have been so accustomed to, uh, to a life of Moab, to a, a life of comfort away from the promise of God. So to address that, we must uh, always keep our ears uh, in the good news of God, just like Naomi. And so that's, that's one. It's not easy uh, also, we need to realize that repenting from our Moabs is not a one-time thing. Yes, there is a big Moab in your life. Uh, there's that one big thing where your life revolves around. But, you know, what's, what's uh, really uh, deceiving is there are little Moabs in your life along your way uh, that we need to repent from. You know, uh, because... Uh, our default nature, the default nature of our sinful heart is really to steer away, to, to walk away from the promises of God. So there is a need to make our repentance a lifelong pursuit. It's not just a one-time thing. Yes, it happens like a, in our conversion story, there's, is the, there's this uh, one-time uh, transition in your life, but it does not end there. You know, we celebrated uh, last October uh, the Reformation, uh, Reformation Sunday. And, and part of that is, you know, we are celebrating exactly the day Martin Luther uh, posted his 95 Theses on the door of the church in Wittenberg. 
Uh, but that thesis, the 95 statements, the first statement says this. This is the English translation. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he intended the entire life of believers to be of repentance. So what Martin Luther is saying, what I'm saying here, and this is our Christian life, is a Christian life that is made in a lifelong repentance. So what are the, again, what are the Moabs in our lives that we need to repent from? What are the new Moabs? What are the Moabs that you are going to face tomorrow uh, that we need to repent from? So we need to recognize that and we need to repent. We, we can repent because there's a promise of God waiting for us uh, as we hear the good news that God uh, will visit, God has visited his people and he will provide for them. So here's the interesting, uh, interesting thing in our story. Nung bumalik si Naomi uh, in, in Judah, in Bethlehem, she did not return alone. Okay? She did not return alone. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, uh, actually, ang, ang ginagamit na nga, her daughter, hindi na daughter-in-law, remained with her. So she had two daughters-in-law. Uh, one is Orpa. Uh, one is uh, Ruth. So Ruth here uh, displays naman our second point. Uh, and our second point is to remain with the people of God. Uh, and look at this uh, again in, in our story, uh, again in chapter 1. So nung babalik na si Naomi, sabi niya sa kanyang mga daughters-in-law, uh, bumalik na kayo sa, in- sa bahay ng inyong mga magulang. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and nag-iyakan sila. A-, a lot of crying happened here. Verse 10, chapter 1. They said to her, Hindi, we will return with you and your people. But Naomi said, uh, Turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? <laughs> There's no benefit. Wala na akong anak in, in, in my womb uh, for you to be to, to have husbands. Um, and, and this will be explained uh, uh, next Sunday uh, about the kinsman redeemer. Look at... Uh, verse 14 chapter 1 so again they lifted up their voices and they wept again orpa kissed her mother-in-law uh, a kiss of goodbye but but ruth clung to her that's the the word used ruth clung to her so again keep in mind she is a foreigner she is an outsider. She is a non-Israelite. She is a Moabite. And there is no immediate benefit for her going uh, with Naomi back to the land of Judah. That's not her country. That's not her people. Uh, Naomi does not have any more sons for Ruth to, uh, to marry. But here's the... Uh, the insistence of Ruth, verse 16, chapter 1. Please do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go, I will go. Where you will stay, I will stay. Your people shall be my people 
Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more so if anything but death departs from you. You know how that sounds like? That sounds like a wedding vow. That sounds like a covenant commitment. It took a foreigner, an outsider, to show us what loyalty looks like. It was a Moabite widow that displayed the covenant commitment in a community. It, it, it was Ruth, the foreigner, the outsider, who showed what it means to really belong to the family of God. You know, uh, Christians have different understanding of church membership. And if, you, if you've been to different churches, uh, they have different definitions and understanding uh, of what church membership looks like in, in that community. Some have very high view of church membership, but mostly uh, it's very low. Actually, it's, it's very low. Uh, uh, in, in some instances, uh, if, if you ask people, are you a member of this, this church, Blank? Uh, people would say, well, I've been, uh, I've been attending their service for a month now. Uh, I'm giving my offering to that church. I, maybe I'm a member. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm attending. Maybe I'm a member. Uh, so there's, uh, there's uh, ambiguity. Tama ba yung term ko? It's unclear. It's, it's unclear. I think the part of the problem is that um, we view church membership uh, similar to the way we view other forms of membership. You know, we, we equate it to maybe gym membership or an exclusive club membership or a, a grocery membership. You, you enter with certain parameters. Maybe you pay the membership fee, you, you fill up the form, and then you get certain privileges. Uh, that's how we view uh, membership. Uh, but church membership uh, is... is much more than that. And Ruth shows us what, what belonging to the people of God really means. It's, it's saying, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And keep in mind, uh, again, uh, Ruth is doing this not for her benefit. She, she was doing this first and foremost for the benefit of Naomi to take care of her, and that's what you know. Church membership uh, and, and belonging to the family of God really looks like. We are saying, "I I am accountable to you as much as you are accountable to me," because we are accountable to God who made a covenant with His people. So, you know, that means for for this church, for this church plant, we will we will put a. a premium, uh, a high value on what church membership looks like. Uh, and, and I will explain that uh, next year when we do a membership process in, in this church. But here's just something that I want for us to reflect on. Uh, I think this pandemic really, uh, with all the things that, uh, that happened, 
uh, one of the things that uh, that happened also is that the this pandemic uh, was used by God to to expose how much we really value being part of a covenant community. You know, you realize the value of something when it is taken away from you. So prior to this pandemic, how do you view uh, gathering with, with fellow Christians? How do you view uh, celebrating the Lord's Day? Is it uh, just one of the options that you will do for, for the week, for, for Sunday? Is it something that you were looking forward to? And now that we cannot do that physically, how do you respond? Now that we're doing this virtually, how does that make you feel? Is there a, a sense of relief? Is there a sense of lament and discomfort? My friends, brothers and sisters, I, I would encourage you. I, I would implore you to, to fight that human tendency to, to detach yourself from the church. It is never beneficial. It is not healthy to be disconnected from the body of Christ. We, we cannot live our Christian life from afar. Here's a you know, practical application that uh, I want for us to, to really work on. This is a simple thing uh, that we want to do as a church. Uh, before this year ends, uh, we will give, I, I, I will send out an online form uh, for, for those who have been, if you attended at least once or, or twice of this worship, of our worship service online, if you see yourself connecting with this church, uh, I will send out an online form for us to fill out. Uh, the, the online form just basically I'm just looking for your contact information. Uh, your, if we're not friends on whether uh, Facebook uh, or other social media, uh, I would want to have your uh, mobile number. Uh, I would uh, want to have your address and maybe your big prayer item for 2021. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll send that before the year ends. Your contact info, your your address. Your big prayer for 2021, and I want to do that. I want to do that because you know of my experience recently. Some of the ways I connect with some of you are through uh, through Messenger only. So when Messenger was down, I wasn't able to connect with with some of you, uh, and that made me worry. And there was a time that uh, I was not able to contact uh, one of you, and and uh, and I, I was hoping that everything is just fine. So if there's a way for me to, to uh, connect with you uh, outside of Messenger, maybe face uh, a Messenger text kung walang internet, uh, worst comes to worst, I will visit you in, in, in your home uh, when it's all good. Uh, but I also want to pray for you, uh, to pray with you for your big prayer item for, for 2021. And, and that's, you know, that's how we want to express uh, remaining with, with the family of God. Uh, we are a young church plant, and we have a, a, a lot of space to grow, uh, but we want to grow towards this direction of really getting to know one another, connecting with one another, being accountable with one another until such time that we will make that covenant commitment to say, uh, my God is your God, my people, your people, we will be in this together. All right? 
So again, those two, uh, two things, uh, two, two uh, big points that we have, how do you move from our time of emptiness to harvest? We, uh, we return to the promise of God and then we remain with the family of God. But while these two are crucial, uh, it does not automatically guarantee uh, a fullness of life. It does not guarantee a fullness of life what guarantees the fullness of life is really the presence of the favor of God. And this should remind us that our transition, moving from emptiness to fullness, moving from misery to harvest, having hopelessness to a new hope, is not dependent on the quality of your repentance. It's not dependent on your ability to commit to a community. Those are good, great, essential things. But it does not, your, your redemption does not hinge on them. Instead, our fullness, our harvest, our hope is dependent completely on the favor or the grace that we receive from God. So we, re we rely on his favor. And, and that's our third and, and final point today. And that's what we see in the story. So third point is that we rely on the favor of God. So again, in, in the story, remember, uh, even though uh, Ruth, uh, Naomi, and now Ruth with her, uh, went back to the land of promise, to, to Judah in Bethlehem, they still don't have anything to eat. Okay, they, they still don't have anything to eat. And so uh, Ruth had this idea. Uh, and you will see this in chapter 2 na. In, in verse 2, ito yung sinabi ni Ruth uh, to Naomi. Would you let me uh, go to the field and glean among the ears of the grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor? And Naomi said, Sige, go, go, my daughter. And she went on to glean after the reapers. Okay, so here's what's happening. She will go, sabi niya kay Naomi, kay Naomi I will go to uh, a random field. Hindi ko alam tung lugar na to, I'm a, a foreigner, I'm an outsider, but I will just go to a random field and I will glean among the ears of the grain, hoping that when I do that, I will receive from the uh, favor from the owner of that field. Okay. Maybe some of you already know this, but let me explain quickly what gleaning means in the, in the farming sense. You know, simply put, it's literally, literally picking up leftovers from the harvest. You are picking up, you are not, hindi ka umaani, hindi ka nag-harvest, nag you are picking up the leftovers, yung mga iniwan ng mga farmers, ng mga reapers. What we don't uh, see explicitly in, in this story is the danger that comes with gleaning. It's very dangerous. It's, uh, uh, it, you lose your dignity, but more than that, it's physically dangerous. Those who glean, those who pick up the leftovers are in danger of being harmed by the reapers, by the field workers, by the owners of the field. They can even be harmed by wild animals because some of the glean, gleaners, they, they glean at night. Kasi nga, uh, hindi naman sa kanila yung field, hindi naman sa kanila yung harvest. So uh, to avoid uh, 
confrontation and ridicule, they will do that at night. And they will be, uh, they are uh, potentially be harmed by wild animals. They can be abused by thieves and criminals. If they were women, they can be raped. They can be killed. Let me drive this further. Uh, imagine a dog, okay? Imagine a dog entering a food court in, in, of a mall, okay? This dog has not eaten for a week. And the dog smelled food in the food court of that your favorite mall. Uh, nakapasok dun sa, sa entrance, hindi napansin ng mga guard. The dog went towards the tables looking for leftovers na iniwan ng mga no mga uh, kumain goes underneath one of the table and after another and after another looking for leftover food because the dog was not has not been eating for a week what do you think the guards of the mall will do to the dog what do you think will people do with the dog easily the guards may harm the dog, shoo him away. Unless, unless, unless the dog finds favor in someone inside the food court and says, I got this dog. I will take care of him. You know, Ruth and that illustration of a dog in a food court are in the same situation. They are both completely dependent. They are completely reliant, not just on the leftovers, but dependent on someone who will show them unmerited favor. Someone who will say, I got this. I got her. I will take care of her. And so for Ruth, she received that favor when she happened to glean this is God's providence working. She happened to glean on a field that's belonging, belonging to a man named Boaz. And we learn in that story in chapter 2 that Boaz is a relative of Naomi, making him a kinsman redeemer. He is a close relative who can be a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. And, and, and we will study that uh, next week. But look at the favor that Ruth received from Boaz. She received complete protection from, from, uh, from uh, gleaning. Sinabi ni Boaz, you know, no need to go in any other fields anymore. Just stay here. Stay here. Okay? It was a protection. Uh, don't go into other fields where I don't have any control over. Keep close to the young women. Sama ka dun sa mga ibang kababaihan para hindi ka mababastos o ma-harm if you are on your own. And he instructed specifically the men uh, in her field not to touch her. That's, that's a warning to the men. That's an assurance to Ruth that she will be protected in her field. She not only uh, experienced complete protection, she experienced overflowing provision. She was given water to drink. She was given food and wine. She was allowed to glean from the sheaves. Uh, and that means, hindi ka lang pumupulot sa lupa, kumukuha ka mismo doon sa mga, sa mga sheaves. And here's more. 
he instructed his men to leave some of the harvest for her. Basically, what Boaz is doing, huwag niyong iiwan lang kay Ruth yung mga latak. Huwag niyong iiwan lang kay Ruth yung mga, yung mga ayaw niyo. You provide for her what we will eat, what we will sell, what we will bring to the town. And uh, look at chapter 2, verse 10 to 13. This, this captures this overwhelming experience of favor. Look at verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And this is the explanation of Boaz. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Verse 12, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward to be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, so uh, sa, sim- sa simula, I have found favor in your eyes. Uh, verse 13, yung ending, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. You know, Ruth took this chance to glean in a random field, and God, God's providence led her to glean on Boaz's field. You know, she's, she was hoping that she will not be harmed by doing that. She was hoping that she will find favor when she uh, does that. But even before she took a chance to glean on the field, she made an earlier act of faith to put her life in the hands of the God of Israel. And that's what, that's what verse 12 means. Nung, nung sinabi ni Boaz that the Lord uh, is, is blessing you, the God of Israel uh, is, is rewarding you, Because you have taken refuge in Him. You have, you have, uh, sa Tagalog it, ito ay, ikaw ay nagpasakop uh, with the God of Israel. And so, even before Ruth made this act of faith to glean on a random field, she made an earlier act of faith to rely to rely on the God of Israel, which is not her God initially. And she has found favor from God through Boaz. You know, the good news is that through Boaz, God has fulfilled what, what Ruth needs, what Naomi needs. They needed at that time food and sustenance and uh, a, a place in, in, in the community. But God did not stop there. Through Boaz, God will fulfill the ultimate need of Ruth and Naomi. What they will get from Boaz is not just uh, grain from the harvest, not just food, but what they will receive is redemption. Redemption in their story. Redemption from emptiness to harvest. Here's an application. Um, 
you know, resting from from your work is an act of relying in the favor of God. Here, uh, let me just give a, <laughs> a confession. I have this tendency to, I have this unique tendency to, to procrastinate and to, to overwork <laughs> uh, in, in one, at one point. Uh, I can procrastinate and overwork uh, at the same time. <laughs> Uh, and maybe some of you have the same experience. Uh, you, uh, you, you delay doing something because you think you have enough time, and then you overwork because you want uh, to get things done. Uh, and that's, that's an evidence of, of self-reliance. Uh, that's an evidence that you, we want to have um, control over many things in our lives. Um, and... For me, uh, uh, the Lord's Day service, our, our worship service, is a reminder of, of God's favor. That what the good things that happen in my life is ultimately uh, the favor of God. That I don't have any control over what will happen in the lives of people. That I don't have the fruits that the, that the ministry will bear is not because I overworked. You know, Psalm 127 reminds us that the Lord provides even while we sleep. And the Lord even provides sleep to his beloved. And so uh, reliance on the favor of God means, you know, resting, letting go of the things that, that's beyond our control. Let me conclude uh, with, with a few things. You know, what... Ruth experience with Boaz is the picture of the grace we experience from God. What she experienced, what Ruth and Naomi experienced at this point in the story is, is a picture of the grace we experience from God. And Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's favor in your life. Your job, no matter how good and great it is, is not the ultimate expression that God is favoring your life. Your good life, your health, your relationship, they are good things in your life, but they are not even comparable to the greatest expression of God's favor in your life, which is Jesus Christ. You know, the good news, my friends, is that Jesus... Is that greatest expression. And in him, you don't just get leftovers. You don't get leftovers. We get the fullness of God in Christ. We don't just get the gifts because of Jesus. We don't just get the gifts. We receive the giver himself. And that's, you know, that's the, the message of, of Christmas that we did not just receive salvation, we, we receive uh, the source of salvation. We, we don't just receive joy, we receive the joy giver. And how do we, how do we see this in Jesus Christ? Um, you know, there's this passage in, in the book of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. It says, from his fullness, and this is talking about uh, Jesus, out of his fullness, 
we receive grace upon grace upon grace. So Christ is the ultimate expression of the favor of God in your life. So how do we make this happen for 2021? How do we move from, uh, from the uh, experience of emptiness to harvest uh, through Jesus Christ? Here's uh, an instruction, an important instruction from Jesus Christ himself. John 15, John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus talks to his disciples and said, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's, it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I am in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. You know, for those who are followers of Jesus, for those who are Christians, remaining in Jesus does not mean more religious acts. Okay, let me explain. The fruits, uh, those are fruits of your abiding, of your remaining in Jesus Christ. Because you are remaining in Jesus Christ, you are, you are memorizing more scriptures. You are connecting with the family of God. You are praying more. Those are fruits. Those are not means for remaining in God. Okay? Remaining in Jesus means a life lived of repentance, a life of reliance in the Lord, a life of saying, Lord, I need you today. Lord, help me repent today. Help me rely on your favor today, recognizing that you are helpless in, the, in, in, in front of a holy God and uh, all your hope is on Jesus alone. But for those who are not sure they are Christians, you know, this, this passage uh, does not mean anything. You cannot remain in Jesus if you are not with Jesus in the first place. So to remain in him, to, to abide in him, is recognizing that Jesus is the vine. Meaning he is the source of your life and your fruitfulness. So, my friends, if, if you want to move from a life of emptiness to a life of harvest and, and fullness, we don't get it from the Moabs of our lives. We don't get it from our own righteousness, we get it from a complete reliance on the grace of God. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you as beggars, as sinners, as outsiders, Lord, who have been called into your family. We are helpless before you. We humble ourselves before you because, you know, that's, that's the only thing we can offer, our, our neediness, our mess, uh, and our need of your grace. Lord, as we remember in, in the life of Ruth and Naomi, how they move from uh, misery to fruitful harvest, 
uh, is really a, a moment of repentance and faith. Let this be our life, God, that our life is a, a life of repentance and a life of faith in you. Help us remain in Christ because he is the source of our lives. Lord, would you help us recognize the Moabs, the things that we put our hope in, which uh, is really the source of our misery, of our grief. Help us repent, Lord God, uh, from our unrighteousness. Help us repent from our idols. Help us repent from our self-righteousness, that we think we are good, that we have that we have what it takes, Lord God, to find favor in you. Help us, Lord, to remain connected with your family that you have called for us. Lord, it's, it's really difficult, Lord, to, to, to stay connected uh, during this uh, pandemic when we are uh, instructed to, to distance ourselves with one another. But this is your grace, God, that we can still meet, even virtually. We can connect. Lord, thank you because you have, uh, with all the grief that, uh, that, uh, it, that came with it, uh, you, you still use uh, this pandemic, Lord God, to, to cause us to value being connected with one another. And, and I pray, Lord, that we will not stop here, that we will not just be comfortable connecting from afar, that we will really, in, in, in the real sense of the word, connect with one another, that, that we will covenant with one another as a community that you have called. Lord, uh, help us uh, in, in our daily reliance on you. Help us remember that as we rely on you, you, you offer to us, you provide for us a complete protection and overwhelming provision. But most importantly, Lord God, we experience that in Jesus Christ. That in, in him, we, we experience not just your protection, your provision, we experience your presence. We experience your fullness. And for that, Lord God, we, we have hope, we are assured that our life will be fruitful as we remain in Christ. This is our prayer in his name. Amen.